Hey, everybody. You know that we are continuing on our uh, year of gratitude. So I want to start by today by saying that one, I am incredibly grateful for today's guest. Um, Donna Edwards is my personal um, mentor and dear friend. And um, Elizabeth has entertained this dream project that we've been working on behind the scenes that um, we're hoping to make come to fruition for everyone. So my gratitude today is for these two individuals and everything that they are doing on behalf of patients with pediatric feeding and swallowing disorders and the National Foundation of Swallowing Disorders. So if you're not a member yet, please join NFOSD and truly y'all, let's put good in the universe together. Hi, folks, and welcome to First Bite, Fed, Fun, and Functional, a speech therapy podcast sponsored by SpeechTherapyPD.com. I am your host on this nerd venture, Michelle Dawson, MS, CCC, SLP, CLC, the All Things Peds SLP. I am a colleague in the trenches of home health early intervention right there with you. I run my own private practice, Heartwood Speech Therapy, here in Town, South Carolina, and I guest lecture nationwide on best practices for early intervention for the medically complex and fragile child. First Bite's mission is short and sweet, to bring light, hope, knowledge, and joy to the pediatric clinician, parent, or advocate. By way of a nerdy conversation, so there's plenty of laughter too. In this podcast, we cover everything from AAC to breastfeeding, ethics on how to run a private practice, pediatric dysphagia to clinical supervision, and all other topics in the world of pediatric speech pathology. Our goal is to bring evidence-based practice straight to you by interviewing subject matter experts to break down the communication barriers so that we can access the knowledge of their fields, or as a close friend says, to build the bridge. By bringing other professionals and experts in our field together, we hope to spark advocacy joy and passion for continuing to grow and advance care for our little ones. Every fourth episode, I join in. I'm Erin Forward, MSP, CCC, SLP, the Yankee by way of Rochester, New York transplant who actually inspired this journey. I bring a different perspective, that of a newish clinician with experience in early intervention, pediatric acute care, and nonprofit pediatric outpatient settings. So sit back, relax, and watch out for all our squirrels and enjoy this geeky gig brought to you by SpeechTherapyPD.com. Okay, everybody. We are kicking off February, closing out January with a with a passion project. And to me, the being able to start out a loving month with um, a full heart, that's the perfect way to start. So I have the total joy and honor of introducing Elizabeth Daly, MSCCCSLP, the Executive Director for the National Foundation of Swallowing Disorders, and Donna Edwards, MACCCSLP, BCSS, and ASHA Fellow, Chair of the American Board of Swallowing and Swallowing Disorders Mentorship Committee, um, and she oversees the Application Committee. And um, y'all, these women are these women are the epitome of compassion and grace and empowerment. Um, and I am in awe that they are here. Also, um, Donna has been a personal mentor, and I'm trying not to cry, but Donna's been a personal mentor of mine for a while. And for them to pour everything out at the speed and fullness with which they do, I am so grateful. So I care I about you so much, Michelle. You're wonderful, too. Ah, yeah. I see. I here I am already blubbering, and we haven't started. So hi, <laughs> and you pay it forward. So it's a pleasure to to have that relationship with you as well, and Elizabeth. You're, it, it's an honor to work with both of you. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, so um, let's take it from the top. 
Elizabeth, why don't you kind of start us off with what made you want to be an SLP and then an SLP that deals with, you know, food and boogers and vomit and the whole nine (laughs) yards. Um, And how did you get pulled into being the executive director of a national nonprofit on top of being an SLP? (laughs) Yeah, thanks. Thanks, Michelle, for having us on today. We appreciate it. Uh, My background, I went to school, I was studying linguistics, and my mom said, you really should study something where you'll have a career opportunity. Mm-hmm. And so when I was an undergrad, I switched um, to studying communication sciences and disorders, went to grad school. And during my dysphagia course as a graduate student, I saw the NFOST documentary. And that was my first exposure to swallowing disorders. And I don't know if you've ever seen that documentary. It's about 10 minutes. Um, but it's a great short documentary that shows really the personal impact of living with a swallowing disorder. And that was kind of the moment where I thought this might be something that I'm interested in. Uh, So pursued that. At the end of my graduate school studies, there was an internship opportunity where um, with the National Foundation of Swallowing Disorders. And the goal of that internship was to create this webinar program that the foundation still offers. And what that internship was supposed to be was a three-month stint that tied me into my fellowship, um, but has now extended. I think I'm in my eighth year with the foundation. And along the way, went from kind of the program manager for the webinars into this role of executive director. So that's what's gotten me here. Outside of my role uh, with the foundation, I'm also a practicing clinician. I work in acute care with adults. So so are you... um... Forgive me. I don't actually know what state you're in. Oh, it's okay. I'm in Madison, Wisconsin. Okay. You, oh, oh, yes. you can snow. Yes, we got four inches just this morning. Oh my. Okay. Totally unrelated questions. Why are the Green Bay Packers called cheeses, or why do they have a cheese as their thing? Oh, the Packers. They're cheese packers. We make a lot of cheese, and then we pack the cheese and ship the cheese. Yes. Okay. That's very unique and odd, but like, okay. I'm not positive that's correct, but that's what I think is correct. (laughs) That's great. I went to Cleveland a while back to lecture and I didn't, I wanted to see the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and I was so excited. So I got there and the traffic was awful, but I didn't know that Cleveland had the Cleveland Brown in like the um, football stadium and it's next to the uh, National Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And so I got there and I'm like with all these people and then everybody's like, where are my dogs at? And all of these people started barking and I screamed at the top of my lungs because I was not prepared for grown men to bark like dogs and that that was their thing. So now, yes. Okay. The cheese. Okay. Good to know. Thank you. Okay. Now, Donna, how did you land in the world of speech pathology and then with on the other end with the teeny tiny humans and then get involved with NFOSD? Oh, wow. It's a long journey. When I, I knew I always wanted to go to college and I was a single parent of two young children and I got out the, um, the, the university booklet. And I'm looking through what I want to do, what I want to do. Looked at psychology and psychiatry and thought about that for a little bit. Well, no. And I saw the CSD program and I thought, this is right up my alley. My parents were older. I had an aunt who was blind. So I already sort of had a bent towards working with disabilities or, you know, new um, differing abilities. And when I started taking the courses, I just fell in love. Everything was a piece of my heart and it just kept growing and growing. And when I first got to my opportunity to see a swallowing, um, modified bear and swallow study, it was on a VHS tape. I wasn't the one who got to see it. One of my other colleagues had a hospital externship. And we're looking at it. We're turning our heads upside down. What is that? we didn't know. In class at that time, we probably had dysphagia talk 30 minutes, maybe. It was not even a whole day. That was it. But it was enough that it intrigued me. I wanted to know what we had seen. I wanted to know how it worked. And it just really buried deep, deep, deep in my heart. So I always pursued after that. And each position that I took, I continued to follow swallowing and just kept moving forward. Mm -hmm. Um, I was at uh, Level 1 Trauma Hospital in Dayton when Mm -hmm. um, working with adults. And I had to decide about my BCSS. And that they had then split it between pediatrics and adults. Mm -hmm. So I had to ask them, like, I'm working with adults. But at that time, I already felt the move to kind of go towards children. 
So I had to decide whether to take the test for pediatrics or adults after working with adults for 10 years. I'm like, oh man, what do I do? But I decided to go ahead and do peds and I did and passed it. Thank, you know, thank goodness. Um, so then I did the, the pediatric rotation uh, there at Dayton Children's for 10 years, loved it, and really got to uh, learn about the littles and inpatient and outpatient and through the NICU, um, and then transition that to um, academia. So I hope mm-hmm. I've given that love of swallowing and patient care and autonomy for patients and really bringing an evidence-based practice for, to my students. And now I'm going to transition back into the, the littles in a NICU in Florida. Awesome. Oh, this is lovely. Oh, yes. Okay. So, I mean, I started out in the public schools as a speech teacher while I was going to grad school and then transitioned from there to um, uh, a rural hospital where I was the first full-time SLP. Mm-hmm. So we didn't have instrumentals. I was the only SLP for 45 minutes in any direction. So in the morning, it was ICU med surge floor adults. And in the afternoon, it was everything from two to end of life care, had a neck cancer. Um, and I emailed Dr. Bonnie Martin Harris. I was a CF. My supervisor, my CF mentor showed up to sell me Mary Kay, and then she would sign off on my documents. This was that time frame. I don't like Mary Kay, but I bought a lot of Mary Kay because I needed my C's. Um, and uh, but I remember, like, I, honest to God, but, like, I remember getting a head and neck cancer patient, and I was like, they're like, well, she's he's going to have a total glossectomy. And I was like, I don't know about this. And it was back in the day when you took a CEU and they shipped you like a binder with like DVDs and stuff. Wow, I feel really old. But like I emailed Dr. Bonnie Martin-Harris and she emailed me back with recommendations on resources. And that was my first time that I was like, there are mentors and helpers in the world, right? Mm-hmm. And um we ended up leaving the hospital after setting up like an oncology, like partnership with rehab and getting, it was really cool. Um, also side note, my boss was like, if you wear the red dress with the knee high black leather boots, all of those old men will give you the modified barium swallow study budget. And I was like, so I did. I, I mean, not my proudest moment, but like, there we are. Um, but got into early intervention here in South Carolina when we moved and I've loved it loved it ever since. So yes. Okay. So those are our backstories, folks. Now you kind of know what all we're bringing to the table and our um, very interesting perspectives, but um, let's bring it back to um, NFOSD. Um, I practice that a lot. What, What exactly is the National Foundation of Swallowing Disorders and kind of how did that, how did that come to pass? The National Foundation of Swallowing Disorders, it's a nonprofit patient advocacy organization for people impacted by dysphagia across the age span. So we have people in our community who are parents of newborns um, that are experiencing difficulties with feeding and swallowing all the way up to, I think the oldest member in our community that I know of is 104 and will occasionally send me a picture on their birthday of their modified pie that they eat. So cute. Um, but the, the mission of the foundation is really to advance the treatment of swallowing disorders in our lifetime. And we have four pillars that we kind of address that with. Um, so one is support through patient support. We also um, focus on advocacy and education and research. So those are our four focus areas. Um, and we have activities, fundraisers, things that we do to address each one. And we're happy to kind of talk through some of those with you. Um, But Donna's been a huge support um, with many of those, all of those pillars, actually. Um, And we'll we'll kind of talk about Donna's role with the foundation because she does so much to help us out. Yeah. Okay. So I don't know which way to begin because I have 14 different questions. How How did you get pulled into NFOSD? Wait, Donna, sorry. Yes, that was... Yeah. How did, wait, Donna, how'd you get pulled in? Well, you know, I was sitting here just trying to think of that. And, and I'm thinking, Elizabeth, we either first met at ASHA and then followed up meetings at DRS is, is what I remember. But am I misremembering? That sounds right. That sounds right. So, and so we would, <laughs> we would catch up at, at, at the, those organizations where you get to do some networking and, and getting, you know, to build those relationships because I had a true love of dysphagia and I could tell that Elizabeth did. And so did Ed, who is a founder as well, a co-founder. Um, okay. and, 
but I didn't get to meet Sonia Blue until we actually started doing the um, support groups, the pediatric support groups. The more we chatted and the more we talked informally, the more we realized we really are on the same page in many, many ways. You know, advocacy is a big part of what I have done throughout my career, and that was a big part of what they did. Patient care, patient support, again, there was a nice key to the lock. It was perfect fit. Um, swallowing across the lifespan, another perfect fit. And we helped each other grow through understanding and learning about how it affects across the lifespan. So I think we really do enrich each other in many, many ways. Nice. Okay. So the founding members, I've got a cheat sheet, y'all. Um, <laughs> Sonia Blue, Peter Belfasky, Belfasky. Yeah. Okay. and Jan Pryor. Correct. Yes. Okay. Sonia was somebody who had dysphagia. Um, and she was working with Peter and Jan as part of her treatment. And Sonia recognized that there wasn't community. She didn't know anybody else that was um, dealing with this. And so she wanted to start an organization to bring people together where they could discuss what it's like to live with dysphagia. Um, and I hate to put that in my own words, what she was thinking, because she does such a nice job saying that. Um, and if you ever have the chance to meet with Sonia, she's such a wonderful person to connect with. Well, and the other thing is, is on the website, there's her story. I encourage your your listeners to go and listen to her story. It's beautifully done. It is. Um, I'm pulling. Okay. So um, just so you guys know, the website is swallowingdisorderfoundation.com. And the Instagram handle is NFOSD, which is so much easier to type in. Excellent call on the Instagram handle. (laughs) You can also get to the website with nfosd.org and it'll take you straight to the okay. website. Too. This is this is lovely. Oh, I love that. And there's also a Facebook page too. Correct. Yep. Yes. Yes. Okay. Okay. So um, with respect to them coming in, um, the, the mission statement supports the four pillars. So we've got support, education, advocacy, and research. Um, I had the um, pleasure a while back um, to volunteer some time with um, uh, one of the support meetings for the pediatrics. And that was just so wonderfully done. Um, so thank you for um, in- inviting me and having me. But can y'all talk about like what the support options are for across the life continuum? Do you want to start with the littles or start with the adults, Elizabeth? Yeah. Do you want to start with the littles, Donna, and talk about what we have as options for them? Sure, we'll talk about the littles. So I believe it is um, the second Thursday of the month Mm -hmm. um, that the meetings are held. Um, It's a monthly meeting. It runs about an hour. The attendees vary from one mother to two mothers to up to five or six parents. We've had, you know, mothers and fathers. Some people are very comfortable with having the video on. Some people want the video off. It is a virtual meeting that allows it, it gives us access and transparency and it's open so more people can attend, which is wonderful. We want to be sure anyone who wants to attend can. Um, and we share our stories. I share my story as a, as a mother of a child who had a, a head injury and a stroke and his swallowing issues. So I, I take that piece on as well. I share my role as a speech language pathologist that works with swallowing disorders, but I don't give medical advice. You know, I refer them back to their physician and we're very careful to do those kinds of things, but I can give very general advice and very general guidance and refer them back to their feeding team. You know, what if you ask these kinds of questions, but above and beyond that, the parents support each other. They share their stories with each other. And that's what the point of the group is, is that they are supporting each other, growing together. Um, we are there then as a support to them, but then the, the group takes on a life of its own and it just continues to grow and become much more dynamic. It was, it was, um, it was full of life and a little bit of sass when yeah. I was there. Yeah. It was so much fun because there were some parents that like I could tell had like known each other and they were kind of cutting up a little bit. And then there was some new parents and there was folks, there were the, the tears because that's part of what we do when we're walking with these patients and their caregivers, we see them in their valley and celebrate their mountaintops. But this is a place where they can be vulnerable amongst peers of I'm scared and I'm afraid and be built up. And yes. that. And it was done with such positivity. Also, the way you coached and guided was 
very, very well done. I was like, I was taking notes. I was like, yes, yes. But it was, how do you, but that's what we're supposed to be doing with our caregivers. When we engage in early intervention, we're supposed to ask the probing questions, but somehow let them figure it out. It was cool to watch you do it. I was like, I see what's happening here. Thank so. you. <laughs> and and it, um, if you're listening, when you get on NFOSD's website or their Instagram handle, on the Instagram handle, the link for the webinar, it's open. Um, it was under, I think you'll have it under your link tree and attached to the post. Um, <laughs> so it was very, it was very easy to quickly access. So, yeah. Okay, so now, um, Elizabeth, do you lead the adult version of the support group? I don't. Um, the leaders of the adult support group is Sonia and then Jan Pryor, who's a board-certified specialist in swallowing disorders as well. She's one of the co-founders of the foundation and is a practicing clinician. Um, also fantastic. Um, and that group's a little bit larger, typically, than the pediatric support group. So on average, I'd say we have uh, 6 to 12 participants in the adult support group, but similar. It's a, an hour-long meeting open to anybody in the United States. Um, and there's a variety of participants in that group. There's a lot of head and neck cancer survivors, stroke survivors. Um, there's people that have unknown causes or causes that have not been determined yet of their swallowing disorders. And they've gone through um, seeing all these specialists and they're feeling desperate. And that's why they sought out some support through the foundation so it's a nice discussion that we have in that group as well. In addition to our virtual support groups, um, Jan Pryor also is our support group coordinator for our local support group chapters. And we have over a dozen of those throughout the United States. And if anybody listening is interested in starting a support group, um, we'd be happy to help you get started with that. We have some great resources um, and Jan is a great mentor for you. Um, but we list all of those on our websites too. So if you're somebody that's seeking in-person support that might be an option for you. Um, there are only about 15 in the country, so sometimes it's hard to find that or you might not have access, which is why we started the virtual support group in the first place, because we recognize that finding these groups can be challenging, especially depending on where you're located. And then also we have um, two Facebook support groups, one for peds and one for adults as well that are free to join. Um, and those both have over a thousand members and daily people are asking questions, um, looking for information, looking for other people that are in a similar situation to them. And that's another fun piece is because sometimes Elizabeth will send me, can you chat with this person, whether it's an adult or a pediatric family, um, or she'll say, do you know someone in your area or someone in their area that can be a further support to them? Yes. I've, I've picked up patients from you that way. Yes. Yes. Because you, you referred them to me. Oh, that was so lovely. Um, <clears throat> yes. Okay. So I'm just in my head going back to the fact that you already have a model pre-made that's easily replicated with the supports there. And that's fantastic. Um, you just gave me an idea for an extra credit assignment for the students for the peace dysphagia class next semester. And they have no idea. So like, <laughs> yay. Okay. Let me just, somebody somewhere was like, Oh my God, I have homework. <laughs> um, that would be okay. Sorry, folks. There's a pause here because I am writing a note and starring it down. Okay. That's amazing. This is lovely information to know. Um, Rocky, I know you're listening, but Rocky, this is fantastic. Rocky, our dear friend, um, Dr. Raquel Garcia, was looking at setting up um, a NICU transition PED support group where she resides in Florida. So <clears throat> I will. Yeah, and she was reaching out to me and we haven't connected yeah. yet. I was also going to tell her about this podcast and then chatting with Elizabeth because she would have files, perhaps, and information to share. Yeah. So she can oh, this just is your podcast. Yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, yes. I'm so excited. My hair, even my hair puffed up. I don't know if y'all saw that on camera, but like it just went poof. Okay. So we've got, oh, this is so wonderful. Okay. So we can replicate these and that is amazing. Now, can we talk about the advocacy piece? Because I feel like a, a not well-known aspect, at least on my end, was that y'all focus on expediting like research to practice here. Right. And I think part of that is transitions in, and then I'll, I'll turn it over to you, Elizabeth, is that self-advocacy piece is fostered in the support group and then transitioned out, like you said, to a, a similar support group in the community. 
So that teaches them self-advocacy. And these are the things that they want to support and know and ask about. Yes. Yes. And that you can. Because let's be honest. It empowers them. Yes. Because oftentimes I feel like where I work geographically in the South there is still systemic racism and sexism within modern medicine. And I feel like some of my families are gaslighted that they are imagining signs and symptoms that they're, and it's, it's medical gaslighting when we empower them and educate them and get them to um, normally medical university of South Carolina, when we get them down to MUSC and they meet the right doctor who listens, who takes the time to, all of a sudden they've got diagnostics and we have assessments and we have diagnoses and it's like, but it's that being able to self-advocate. And that really starts at the individual level. I think with the foundation, especially like Donna said, we're teaching them skills to advocate for themselves Mm -hmm. and through emails. I, I do a lot of emailing with patients and caregivers and they say, you know, the doctor, recommended this procedure. And as a, an advocacy organization, we don't recommend any sort of medical advice. But we say, you know, these might be some questions that you ask to your team to get more information about that um, yeah. without saying, you know, this might not be appropriate for you. We don't know their whole situation, but just to ask them mm-hmm. more questions that they could consider with their team, I think is important for them and good skills for them to develop. And then we advocate more broadly too at the the local or the state and the the national level as well. And Donna, I think you've been part of those initiatives even before you were part of the NFOSD as our medical board advisor. Um, But even before my time, I know the NFOSD lobbied in DC um, to help get NIH funding for more dysphagia research. Um, The Dysphagia Awareness Month, which is in June now, is a a statute passed by Congress in 2008. So again, before my time with the, the foundation. And then right now, the Dysphagia Research Society, we have partnered with them to offer a $1,000 advocacy award. And it's an open application to anybody. You don't have to be an NFOSD member. You don't have to be a member of the Dysphagia Research Society. But you can apply for this award. It's open to anyone who's showing great activism, volunteerism um, in the community, supporting those with swallowing disorders. And you can find more information on that award. when this podcast comes out, the award application will be closed for that. But um, for 2024, um, the Dysphagia Research Society website will have more information about that. It's it's the Michael Donovan Advocacy Award because I saw that and, and I had an organization that I was thinking of making a nomination for. And then I felt remiss that I don't know who Michael Donovan is. Yes. He was one of the other co-founding members of the foundation. He passed away in 2018 after, I think, a 23-year-long battle with head and neck cancer. Mm. Um, such a huge advocate for everybody with a swallowing disorder. Mm. Um, and it's really a key to the foundation. And it's a really it. special award. It's fairly new. And it speaks to his legacy, which is a wonderful, wonderful piece. And it's open to anybody who works with swallowing, swallowing disorders. Amazing. Anybody. Amazing. It, it, it's it's so transparent and so available. It's just people need to learn about it because it's fairly new. Yes. I mean, there's a competition. You submit, you know, and it's it's peer reviewed and it goes through a process, which as it should. Um, but it, it, it's it's just an amazing opportunity. I literally have that on my to do list this weekend is to make a nomination. <laughs> so like, I, I was like, so I screenshotted it. Yes, most excellent. Okay. Oh, most excellent. Yes. Okay. So, but that is, that's another great advocacy initiative, another way to, to, to raise awareness. And I encourage people to reach out to their legislators locally. I mean, if you can't get to Washington, you have them locally. You can contact them there. Eventually they're going to go to Washington, right? Mm -hmm. And the more people who are contacting them, even if it's in their own community, I mean, those are their constituents. They want their votes. So they need to hear what our concerns are especially when our families are reaching out for care and it's denied them because they think it's just a mother's concern and not really a truly issue. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like trying to describe the fact that we have a new ICD-10 code for pediatric feeding disorder and it's not just they're picky eaters because mm-hmm. you know, there's actually, oh yes. Well, in the yeah. old diagnoses used to say it had to be a mother's problem. 
for them to be even considered to have a, a feeding disorder, that it was the mother's fault. That's how archaic it was. So it's coming along, but it needs our push from the grassroots level, level for the legislatures, legislators to understand they're truly, this truly does happen a lot across our country. Yeah. And it, it's, it's a thing, right? <laughs> it's a thing. It's a thing. Well, um, I go back to the Medical Nutrition Equity Act that's mm-hmm. out. And um, folks, if you're not familiar with the Medical Nutrition Equity Act, it's a bill that's being held ransom by a gentleman from North Carolina. So if you're listening and you're in North Carolina, you know, you, you have the power here. Um, right. And it would require all insurances to cover medically necessary nutrition across the life continuum. I mean, we have patients that have um, rare diseases or disorders that, m- that their insurance has to pay for their formula, but otherwise the family's out three to $5,000 a month. I cannot fathom. I cannot fathom. Do I have to choose between purchasing food for my child or making a mortgage payment? Like so or that we have a house to live in or water or yeah. It's very basic. Yes. Yeah. So mm-hmm. advocacy, this is how we make them. Okay. All right. Now what about education and research? What's going on there? Yeah, I'll talk a little bit about the education piece first, if that's okay. Um, so one of our, our mission pillars here is to focus on education, and not just for patients and caregivers, but also for the healthcare providers who support people living with swallowing disorders. And so we offer a free online education. Right now, our webinar series is called TAD Talk. So TAD, talking about dysphagia, kind of a play on TED Talk. Very clever. Very clever. I love that. Yes. So our TAD Talks, we invite a, a volunteer speaker on a certain topic as it relates to swallowing disorders to present for 30 to 45 minutes on their topic. Um, and then we offer about 15 minutes for questions as well to try to make it more interactive. Um, and our goal is for these webinars, these online seminars to be both for patients at the level of the patient and the caregiver, but also um, for for clinicians as well. We record most of these with permission and make them available on our website. So if you go to our website, you can find all of the recordings available there. Um, some speakers also provide us with handouts that you can download. Um, and then all of the speakers are generally av- available for questions after the presentation too. So if you watch them on demand at a later date and have a question for the speaker, you can reach out to them through email um, to follow up with them. Um, I'm trying to think of other education opportunities. We have hosted a, a conference virtually before that was an all-day conference that covered both peds and adults. We haven't done that in a little while, but something that we may do um, in the future. The, that conference was available for ASHA CEUs. Our TAD talks are not available for ASHA CEUs, but we can provide um, a certificate of participation that you can use for professional development hours. Oh, we have the medical advisory board too. Yes, and we have our medical advisory board, which is fantastic. Donna is a member of our medical advisory board um, and does such a great job with this. And the the role of the medical advisory board is to help clinicians who are um, dealing with a challenging case and may have questions about what to do or referral information. And so we will connect those clinicians with members of our medical advisory board to help them um, kind of as a consultant on the case. And in that case, you're not necessarily providing patient-specific medical advice, but you are helping them weigh in on that case. We also have families that reach out to us with tough clinical questions, too, and we'll put them in contact with Donna and other members of the board to kind of help them determine what are some other avenues that you can pursue to get some answers. Okay. So... I'm thinking I have a very dear friend who's actually a CF speech pathologist, but she is herself a G-tube user, mm-hmm. um, um, G-tube, J-tube, and has a um, a drain as well. Um, and she works with little bitties. She's like, it's fantastic because they see themselves in me when we both have our like backpacks on and we're like connecting and unconnecting. And, and it's just, and she's so empowering. So my thought was within the medical advisory board, do you have any recipients of, or is it all practitioners or like? Our medical advisory board is made up of physicians and speech language pathologists that are board certified. 
Mm-hmm. We do have on our board um, a caregiver of somebody whose parent had dysphagia. Um, and then we also have people with dysphagia. So Ed Steger is the president of the foundation. He's a 17-year head and neck cancer survivor with severe dysphagia. Um, he lives on a liquid diet and has to drink in a modified way. Um, and he often connects with patients one-to-one, either virtually, um, like this through video chat or through email or phone call. He's often met with people in person, too, at conferences that we attend um, to discuss what it's like to live with dysphagia. And then Sonia Blue also is a member of our board and um, has dysphagia. And it's nice, nice to have that variety of um, connections so that if there are community members that are looking for another caregiver to connect to, we have somebody that we can refer them to. Or if it's a person living with dysphagia, we can connect them to somebody who really truly understands what it's like wow. to live. Yes, that's that's what that's how she described it. She doesn't actually have dysphagia. She has um, uh, gastroparesis. So um, different, different need for additional medical nourishment. But um, also... Folks, if you're listening, just so you know, dysphagia now, or dysphagia, oy vey, um, uh, Asha now has a disability caucus, which I think is wonderful um, because it's made up of colleagues that actually have, you know, some type of, you know, they self-identify and then they can join, but they have, as she phrased it, she said she felt seen. And I thought that was just very, very empowering. Okay. That's very cool that that needed to happen. Yes. Yes. Amongst all of the other ones that they now have out. But like, yes. Okay. So Donna, what what is your day-to-day look like when you're volunteering with the medical advisory committee, like, or board? Well, I don't know that it's a day-to-day. It's as more as on the as-needed basis. Okay. Um, But I might get an email from Elizabeth uh, about, that there's an SLP who has a question or there's a family who's trying to find a connection. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I often give uh, follow-up phone calls, you know, and, and I guess the most recent family, several follow-up phone calls, which was fine <laughs> because he, he was just very worried about his mother. Right. And she just had um, an event and he was trying to, to figure out how to best support her um, in an optimal way. So we must have talked daily for almost three weeks which is wonderful because I'm hoping that he felt supported. Um, but then he started to feel a little more confident, a little more autonomous. So then he started calling less often. And I know mm-hmm. that he was calling Elizabeth too. And we just kept trying to support him best we could in a way that gave him a level of comfort that he's like, okay, I can do this. I, I know where to find my resources. I know where to reach out. I know the questions to ask. Yes. Whereas beginning, if they're just in such shock. And we went, yes. what do you mean they can't eat? You know, they have to eat, right? <laughs> what do you mean? And just helping them to, to, to come to terms with, okay, this is the event, this is the issue, and now I have a plan. Uh-huh. I'm sorry, I don't mean to laugh, but like, I can't tell you how many times I'm like, oh, but right now it's not, we're going to go, we're going to go with the G tube right now, but yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. That I'm, I'm, I have a little one that um, I, I see, and his cat has a, a furball situation. And um, uh, when we're there, it the the cat may or may not spin like a top and projectile vomit in circles, and then leave all of the emesis on the floor. And then the little one that I am there is just kind of looking over the shoulder, like looking over the table, looking over a parent's shoulder. And um, it's it's just kind of funny because the mom's like, well, if it's not him, it's the cat. So somebody here. And I'm like, and you just, at some point in time, you just kind of got to laugh because that's where our babies are at. And um, luckily they have a really good dog that assists with cleanup. Yep. Um, <laughs> Functional reality. <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, yeah. Our, our, our world is beautiful. I love that. Okay. So, um, now how, how about you, um, Elizabeth, like, can you kind of talk me through like, what are your day-to-day responsibilities and what does that look like with your, like your volunteer work there? Yes. Yeah. My role with the foundation, I'll start by saying I, I'm not volunteer right now. I'm the only paid employee with the foundation, but my role there, um, make sure that the emails are up to date. Um, I manage the website. I do the social media, um, promoting upcoming courses, fundraiser initiatives, um, send out the e-blasts. Um, I have a new 
a new baby. So in the last year, if you've seen me update my e-blast once or twice, it's because I've made a mistake because of lack of sleep. So apologies <laughs> for that, for I went out the wrong date or have a typo. This is um, the <laughs> Oh my goodness. It's more than I, I care to admit. Um, so apologies to anybody listening who has seen that happen. Um, but the just, experience. <laughs> I'm like, like that it's real. Yeah. It's very real. We've all been there. We get it. Yeah. <laughs> On this podcast I once called a FOMO a FUPA. Those are two very different things. Um, Donna, don't Google, I mean, Google that afterwards if you, um, yeah, so like, all is forgiven. If I can make that massive error, then I mean, nothing can be worse than that. So, yeah. Yes, we all make mistakes. <laughs> but mostly my role is to keep the foundation afloat. Um, one of my favorite things that I do for the foundation is um, preparing for June, which is Dysphagia Awareness Month. And we usually have a, a large awareness campaign where um, I seek out volunteers to share their story. And then I also seek sponsors um, that pledge donations for every time their story is shared on social media. Um, and the well, the Thanksgiving campaign as well. And the Thanksgiving campaign, Donna, I think that might be an, initially how we met or, or became close was through our Thanksgiving awareness campaign. Where oh, What's that? How did I miss that? I might not have mentioned it in my notes. Um, That's where you'll see my son's story. Yeah, Donna shared um, some photos of her son's story and recorded her um, narrative of that. And we put together this short um, three-minute video of that, which was really touching and moving. And I think, Donna, the first time that a lot of your colleagues found out about your story, um, which I thought was also very moving. Um, but we'll share that again here. I usually share that around all the holiday seasons, um, just because the holidays and eating go so close together with that. Yes. It's a nice way to raise awareness. I've so worked with Jim Gaffigan. Gaffigan. Um, yeah, Jim Gaffigan. The Gaffigan. still wants to meet him. I'm like, it's not in the cards. It's been so many years now. <laughs> Your son and I both. Yes, that's my goal is to to meet up with them someday. But Jeannie Gaffigan um, is a, a writer and mother of five. And she's married to Jim Gaffigan, who's a comedian, stand-up comedian. Yes. But Jeannie had a, a brainstem tumor removed and then had a, a trach and a peg following that and went through dysphagia rehab. But she filmed a short video for the foundation, and it was great to work with them. Um, Jim was in the video with her, which made it a, a little comedic, um, and it was great to watch. Um, I did see about. that one. I remember that. Yeah. So great. Yeah, so you get a chance to, to watch that. It is fantastic. She also did a YouTube series called um, with her husband. Uh, a little inappropriate. I don't know if it's okay to say it. Feel free to delete this out with that. Um, but come peg my wife, I think was the title of it. And they would have celebrity guest stars come over and use the, the feeding tube, um, which was kind of a, a fun way to normalize it and kind of expose people to what it's like to live with a feeding tube and kind of a, I don't know if that was appropriate or not, but oh, that's great. Come heck, my wife. Um, I'm writing that down because I, I've got a little notepad of like all of our like fun references and resources, so that when I do my social media stuff, I can just go back to my notepad notebook and like tag that. But um, I got to be honest, I've never written that one down before. So like, that. <laughs> yes. Hi, Chewie. Chew Chewbacca came to say hello. That he also found that quite funny. Oh. Oh, Chewy Baca. Okay, so that is, but that's a that's a lot. Yes, yes. Oh, oh, yes. We have, we have. Um. Okay, so Mike, I I know we haven't really gotten to the research part because we've kind of gone off in fourteen different directions, and we'll come back to the research. But like, what if somebody's listening? And they're like, but I want to volunteer more. Like, yeah. I I have a patient, or I have a caregiver, or I am a caregiver because I mean, to be honest, a lot of um, clinicians have children that are in needs or parents that are in needs, but if they want to tie to their time, how do they, what do they do? Yes, they can reach out to us um, at info at nfost.com. And depending on what their interests are, we can help connect them with a, a project or um, something that might be up their alley. For that, uh, caregivers and patients that have reached out to us looking to volunteer, sometimes we'll have them share their story. Um, as their volunteer project for us, which is a great way for them um, to share their experience, but then for other people to read that and know that they're not the only person experiencing that. We have a, a page on our website dedicated to people that have shared their story. 
Mm. Um, That's one way that a a patient or a caregiver can get involved. We've had a lot of students reach out to us and they've hosted things like dysphagia potlucks where everybody makes a modified meal so that students can learn more about how to prepare uh, modified meals and then invited the community to join them as well. So there's activities for, for students, for patients, for caregivers, um, for clinicians. Um, they've set up things like support groups in their area, and we're happy to help them um, with that. But other activities, some SLPs have hosted 5Ks um, and then made the foundation the recipient of any donation made during their 5K. So events like that. Um, but feel free to contact us, and we're happy to try to find an idea that meets your needs for volunteerism. And I think it's such a lovely idea of, you know, especially if you're in academia and you're teaching dysphagia, why wouldn't, if you reach out to the support group that's in your community and they would bring in and have like a dysphagia day and they're bringing those foods in, what a great, and then they're chatting with the students, the students are learning, what a great experience that that class would be. I I was just thinking of a way of tying that into um, like a midterm, like, because one of my assignments is a... um, uh, it's a presentation on like busting uh, common myths, uh, why we don't do non-speech raw motor exercises, the current literature with respect to tethered oral tissues and, you know, um, electrical stimulation of newborns. That is um, that, yeah. <laughs> uh, electrocuting the tiny tots is frowned upon. And that's a nice way of saying that. But, it could affect the growth plate. So let's just start there. Yeah, but like, I'm sorry, that's like four other additional podcast episodes that we're just going to like gloss over and and awkward turtle away from. But I was just thinking of how cool it would be to have it so that when they're doing their presentations, you know, they've got a a meal prepped that's a certain viscosity or um, a diet option that's uh, gluten-free that you would typically think of having like gluten. And so my... we need to call Ed Bice and tell Ed about that idea because Ed would be all over that. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to um, follow up with Ed. Yes. Okay. So what about the research? Because we kind of glossed over that because I got excited about the volunteer work. <laughs> Sorry. Well, we had talked about it a bit with the Dysphagia, Dysphagia Research Society, right? Yeah, yes. And with the yes. Advocacy Award. So that's one of the beautiful things about NFOSC. Everything tethers together. It's all integrated throughout yeah. each and every step. I love that. So I'll let you speak to it, Elizabeth. Yes. Yeah, there's a, a second award that's given, which is the Michael Donovan Innovation Award. Okay. Um, and so that's a research award. It's a $500 award that goes to the researcher that's demonstrating um, translational research that's most likely to impact the caregiver or the patient living with dysphagia. So that's another way that we support research. We also help recruit um, participants for clinical studies. So if you're a researcher that's doing work and you're looking for people for your trial or for your study, we're happy to help promote that work through our um, mailing list or through our social media that way. Mm -hmm. And then we've also helped raise funds for Peter Belafsky's um, work. Right now, it just entered a phase two clinical trial, uh, human stem cells, um, where they're taking, I should let him speak to this, but um, tongue stem cells in patients that have had head and neck cancer, implanting those to see if that helps benefit their swallow. But they just received an 11 million dollar grant for their work with that. And we helped initiate um, some seed funding for that years ago for that study. And that's where it's at now, which is exciting to see. That's amazing. Oh, that's cool. Yes. And they're currently looking for participants. So if you know anybody with head and neck cancer um, living in the United States that would be interested in participating in that, I'm happy to share more information. Mm. Also, my next question is, where are they implanting the stem cells? Like, are they putting them into the surface of the tongue or are they putting it like? I believe it's in the tongue, but I should let them answer that. (laughs) Okay. Now I also would, I mean, that has nothing to do with pediatrics, but I really want to hear about that research. (laughs) I'm going to have a TAD talk on that topic next year. So stay tuned. Pediatrics also have tongues. We do. We do. And there is, um, I mean, I have had patients that have had pediatric leukemia and then they're post, post recovery. And that's, um, 
And interestingly enough, all of the little ones that I've worked with that have had pediatric leukemia also had Down syndrome. Interesting. Uh huh. And I know that there's an increased prevalence for it, but it was just kind of, um, yes, this is an outlier, but it was kind of interesting. Yeah. Mm. Okay. All right. We have, we have about 10, 12 minutes left. So while we're, um, and I want to close on if, um, as my grandma would say, if anybody's got any little love money lying around where they could send the love money to, but before we go there, can you, can you all walk me through like your most memorable moment or you're like, aha, this is, this is why we're doing this. Everybody's really quiet. (laughs) I'm thinking. thinking. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think the introduction to National Foundation of Smalling Disorders, being able to be a part of that Thanksgiving project with my son was very, very special. And you can hear me, my voice is wobbly because it was very personal um, in that recording. But it let, I've always had the heart of an advocate and he's learned to have a heart of an advocate from that. And he always told me, now I'm going to cry. He's always told me, mom, if I had to go through it, you have to share it. So that's made me talk about it. That's made me make it a part of my journey wherever I am. You know, even with my students in academia, I tell them, and I'm sure the other professors like, well, why are you telling them personal stuff? But because it is personal stuff that relates to a journey, which is what they're going to be working with in their careers, a journey of some sort, you know, so it's important to realize some of those nuances that go along with the journey. And it was such a blessing then to grow the relationship with Elizabeth and Ed and Sonia and again, still focusing on advocacy. So it's just been a wonderful, wonderful, special journey. Didn't you create a coloring book as an outgrowth of that? I think I did the coloring book before, but uh, while I was creating it, the foundation um, put it on their website as a way to uh, source it out. And it was really fun because we created it uh, with uh, Brocco. They'd given us a, a, some sort of a, a grant. There was a specific term for the grant, so I apologize. But the grant to create it, because I can't draw a stick figure. <laughs> you can pull it together. I can organize it. My son is an artist, and he's an amazing artist and does all this work with sculptures and steel and blacksmithing, but I am not an artist. So, but I had just done it, given it to Bracco. We completed it. Um, I think, Elizabeth, you had just gotten it up on their website. I flew from Ohio to California to do a presentation and I mentioned it to them and they were already using it. And it was like less than a week. It was so amazing. Amazing. Yeah. Yes. Yes. It's designed for peds, y'all, just if you're listening. It's it's a little pediatric coloring book about, you know, dysphagia. And yeah, I think that's amazing. And it's free. It's absolutely free. Absolutely. And there's two <laughs> levels. There's one for littles and there's and one for school age. And they're in different languages. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Everyone has volunteered their time to translate and check the translation. And the board has been so gracious to put those links up there. It's been on several different websites, but I think the board is the most consistent where we keep it updated. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Top that, Elizabeth. <laughs> <laughs> my God. Oh my God, I love you too so much. <laughs> oh, I don't think I can top that, Donna. Oh, no, but... don't top that. I'm just teasing. Yeah. <laughs> you did so much, so many specials, but I mean, this, uh, even the support groups wouldn't work without you because you keep it so balanced. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Yeah, the foundation's been an incredible journey for me. I started right out of grad school before I knew anything, before I knew that I didn't know anything. Right. Um, when I, I started, I really started so much um, from from the people that contact us. I think it makes me a better clinician knowing so much from the patient side and to see from the caregivers and from to hear from them um, about what they were told and what they weren't told and just even their perceptions of, of the care that they received. Um, has been helpful, but I've made some wonderful connections with a few community members. Um, one older gentleman in particular who still, you know, sends me Christmas cards now. Um, just a, a very sweet man who keeps in touch every month or so to email updates about his situation. He has a progressive disease where he knows that his following will continue to get worse and worse. And um, now he's fully dependent on his feeding tube, um, but keeps me updated. And it's just so sweet that he, that we both have this connection with each other. It's great. 
And then I will say also that Ed Steger, um, meeting him has been the most influential part of my career to date. He's an amazing volunteer for everybody with swallowing disorders and advocate for anyone. Um, and if you ever get the opportunity to meet him, uh, consider yourself very lucky. Yeah. I'm just very blessed to to have this role with the foundation. I I enjoy it and I've learned a lot from it. That's it's such a dynamic organization. I mean, it continues to grow and evolve and it's that it, as we learn new things, whether it's research or advocacy or resources or support, it's immediately pulled right in. As soon as they're aware of something that's, oh, this would be a great piece to what we do. It becomes a part of the organization. Yes. But that's, so, and I know that there's other entities out there, but y'all are the one that crosses the full life continuum. And, and I, and I love that piece. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but what I do love, and this is just something that's um, kind of lovely is that all of the dysphagia or swallowing or feeding organizations, they all build each other up. Mm-hmm. It, it, there's no, there is enough room at the table for everybody to tithe of their time and talents. It is not a, you know, this is my area, um, which when you're in the world of pediatrics as the clinician, you will oftentimes find um, it can get a little like catty and mean girly sometimes on the, on the individual therapy level. So to see that um, be completely removed from the situation and it be very above board professional and everybody truly has the patient and the caregivers at the heart. That is, um, well, the purpose is bigger, right? The purpose is huge. Yeah. The purpose is the focus yes. on the patient and the family. Yes. So all, any kind of catty mean girly stuff doesn't apply. Yes. So above that. Ah, <sighs> thank you. We could say that again for the people in the back and then get it's a so megaphone. above that. <laughs> Patient and the family. End of story. Yes. Yeah. About us. Uh huh. I'm gonna replay that for a dear friend who needs that to be said a couple of times over. But yes. Okay. So um, we're coming down the home stretch here. But is there anything else that we have not covered, or um, anything that y'all want to um, bring up before we switch over? <clears throat> Let's see. If anybody wants to become a member of the foundation, now is a great time to do so at the beginning of the year. Mm -hmm. Uh, Membership is $40 for speech-language pathologists. It's $10 for students and for caregivers and patients. Um, So very affordable membership. That gives you access to our medical advisory board, access to all of our online education, um, assistance with challenging cases, you name it. Um, You have access to the foundation and really the funds that we receive for membership is what allows us to continue our mission. So it's very appreciated. All right. And it's $10 for students. Mm-hmm. And then it looks great on their resumes too, when they're applying for fellowship positions to say that you're a member of this organization. Yeah. Um, also, if students are interested in volunteering, having have them contact us. And that's something too, that you can add to your resume as you look for your positions. Yeah. Well, they love 5Ks. Yeah. 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 Pack Dawson runs a lot of 5Ks. We we did five as a family last year, but Bear and I ran seven. That little one is built for speed. He is eight <laughs> years old and can run a 12-minute mile. Um, nobody can keep up with him. He just also, we can't keep pants on him because he's got no butt because he's just got like, I mean, I'm like, he's the child. I'm like double, triple scoops of peanut butter just to like make a little thicker. <laughs> but like, um, that is, yeah, that's a really good way of volunteering and setting that up. Also to tie into like Nishla projects. Mm-hmm. Um, so folks, if you're listening and you're a professor, adjunct, or clinical educator, that's a good way for them to, because, you know, normally the initial groups are trying to work for chapter goals or mm-hmm. like they have, um, if you're not a part of national initial, they have like bronze, silver, or silver, bronze. I don't do sports, but gold is the fancy one. So this is the one that they're working towards. Okay. And think about the undergrad and the graduate students. Cause I, what I found in academia, there's a big division between the two, besides being where you are in the program, but you know, the undergrads will do this activity and the grads will do this activity. Why not bring them together for something like this? 
It affects all of them. Yes. Because you know what? Those undergrad students want to be graduate students. Therefore, yes. they need the mentorship of those that survived yes. the GREs and the cutthroat experience that it is to get into graduate school. So, mm-hmm. um, yes. The focus oh, is the client and the family, not where we are in our program. Yeah. <laughs> and that could also be another podcast episode. <laughs> oh, I'm going to behave now. Okay. <laughs> Okay, so um, our membership rates go out, and and they're good for twelve months. Then I take it. Yep. Okay, perfect. I know what I'm doing with my upcoming love money. Okay, so what else do we need to know about? Um, like, if somebody just wants to be able to donate love money at the end of the month, where do they go for that? Yes, you go right to our website at the top bar. There's a donate button. Just click that button, and you can donate whatever amount you would like to. Okay. Does it um, break down into like where they could like a specific aspect within or is it just overall goes to NFOS? There are some certain causes um, and you can make a donation in memory of somebody or in honor of somebody. Um, But if there's a certain place that you would like your donation to go to, just email us and we certainly can direct it to that area. Awesome. 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 Well, ladies, this is, this is phenomenal. Thank you. Thank y'all for um, allowing us here at First Bite to support. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for this opportunity. We appreciate it. Thank you for having us. A huge shout out to the whole foundation board and medical advisory board as well. Yeah. Well, thank you. We love you, NFOSD. Yes. Now we need the mic drop. <laughs> there it is. I mean, I would drop mine, but it's rather large, and that well, would make a very, very big crash. <laughs> as you said before, I think it's just lovely how everyone supports each other because we have the same focus. Yes. As such, it should be. Yep. <laughs> Yep. Oh, wait, I have one last question. Do you have to be an SLP to be a member or is it like, okay, like other professions can join too? Absolutely. Perfect. Anyone who works with swallowing disorder, well, families too, right? Anybody. 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 Okay. Just see, that's how, you know, my ADD kicked in because it was like, wait, there was one to follow up. I knew there was a follow up and then it just, (laughs) we're going to make it. Okay. Thank you. I'm going to switch this over that way people can, uh, chime in if they've got questions. Okay. Feeding Matters guides system-wide changes by uniting caregivers, professionals, and community partners under the Pediatric Feeding Disorder Alliance. So what is this alliance? The alliance is an open access collaborative community focused on achieving strategic goals within three focus areas, education, advocacy, and research. So who is the alliance? It's you. The Alliance is open to any person passionate about improving care for children with a pediatric feeding disorder. To date, 187 professionals, caregivers, and partners have joined the Alliance. You can join today by visiting the Feeding Matters website at www.feedingmatters.org. Click on PFD Alliance tab and sign up today. Change is possible when we work together. That's a wrap, folks. Once again, thank you for listening to First Bite, fed, fun, and functional. I'm your humble but yet sassy host, Michelle Dawson, the All Things Peds SLP. This podcast is part of a course offered for continuing education through speechtherapypd.com. Please check out the website if you'd like to learn more about CEU opportunities for this episode, as well as the ones that are archived. And as always, remember, feed your mind, feed your soul, be kind, and feed those babies. Hey, so it's Michelle Dawson here, and I need to lay out my disclosure statements. So uh, if you ever wondered how bad my ADD, ADHD, and lack of sleep Monday through Monday actually as well. Here you go. These are my non-financial disclosure statements. I volunteer with Feeding Matters. I'm a former treasurer with the Council of State Association Presidents. I'm a past president with the South Carolina Speech Language Hearing Association. I am a current member of both ASHA and SCISHA. 
And for this year, for 2021, I volunteered for the Pediatric Feeding Disorder Planning Committee for the ASHA 2021 convention. My financial disclosures. All right, so I receive compensation for first bite presentations as well as talking teletherapy and understanding dysphagia from speechtherapypd.com. I also receive royalties from speechtherapypd.com for ongoing webinars that I have on their website, as well as compensation from PESI Incorporate for a lecture course that a webinar that I have on their website as well. I am coordinator for clinical education and clinical assistant professor for the Masters of Speech Language Pathology program at Francis Marion University in Florence, South Carolina, for which I receive an annual salary. I also receive royalties from the sale of my book, Chasing the Swallow, Truth, Science, and Hope for Pediatric Feeding and Swallowing Disorders that I self-published and is available on Amazon. And I do receive royalties from the accompanying 13 and a half hour CEU for the book from speechtherapypd.com. So yeah, I stay pretty busy, but those are my financial and non-financial disclosures. If you ever have any questions, please feel free to reach out. All right. Thanks y'all. Bye.